Welcome to Very Honored Frater BT's Esoterra Nerd Podcast, Episode 62, in which Joe Shantz and I interview Courtney Ora Freeman. But first, I'd like to introduce a new segment called From Station to Station. And to retroactively include the Tav pathworking and establishing of the Templin Yisod in episode 45 as a part of this segment. And in a sense, the entirety of episode 35, the establishing of the Templin Malkut. You will probably want to listen to episode 35, followed by episode 45, before listening to this episode. However, I'll leave it up to you. Before you upon the altar is the twentieth key of the tarot. To the uninitiated eye, it apparently represents the last judgment, with an angel blowing a trumpet and the dead rising from the tombs. But its meaning is far more occult and recondite than this, for it is a glyph of the powers of fire. The angel encircled by a rainbow, whence leapt coruscations of fire and crowned with the sun, represents Mikael, the great archangel and ruler of solar fire. The serpents which leap in the rainbow are symbols of the fiery seraphim. The trumpet represents the influence of the spirit descending from Binah, while the banner with the cross refers to the four rivers of paradise and the letters of the holy name. He is also Axieros, the first of the Samothracian Kabiri, as well as Zeus and Osiris, the left-hand figure below, rising from the earth, is Samai, ruler of volcanic fire. He is also Axiokersos, the second Kabir, Pluto, and Typhon. The right-hand figure below is Anael, the ruler of astral light. She is also Axiokersa, the third Kabir, Ceres, and Persephone, Isis and Nephthys. She is therefore represented in a duplicate form and rising from the water. Around both these figures dart flashes of lightning. These three principal figures form the fire triangle and further represent fire operating in the other three elements of air, earth, and water. The central lower figure with his back turned and his arms extended in the sign of the Theoricus, is Aral, the ruler of latent heat. He is rising from the earth as if to receive and absorb the properties of the other three. He rises from the rock-hewn cubicle tomb, which symbolizes the candidate who traverses the path of fire. 
The three lower figures represent the Hebrew letter Shin, to which fire is especially referred. The seven Hebrew Yods allude to the Sephirot operating in each of the planets and to the Shemhem Faresh. Place your hands upon the central altar in your temple in Malkut. What does it feel like? There you go, starting to come into view. What does it look like? And there it all is. Take a moment. Let the details fill in. On the eastern wall you see the three Hebrew letters on banners hanging. On the left side is the red shin. Up above, the portal leading to the scene of the judgment card. In the center of the eastern wall, which is to say the wall in front of you, as you stand there, just to the west of your central altar, has the indigo tav. Beneath that, the universe card. We've already traversed that one in episode 45. To the right... A crimson, which is to say reddish-purple, letter kof, and beneath that the scene is the moon card. Today we will approach the shin card, walking right up to it, and with the divine names of Hod, projecting with the sign of the Emperor toward the image of that book T judgment card. sign of the enterer, stepping through the portal, turning around, and closing the door or flap behind you. Darkness. Total darkness. Nothing yet. Oh, you hit your head on something. Oh, it's a wooden... Okay, lifting up and out of this wooden tomb box thing, rising up and standing in the sign of the Theoricus. That's like you're supporting two uh, cups of water uh, level with the top of your head, let's say. Uh, one over here on the left and one over here on the right. Relax your shoulders. There you go. Good. you got to be mindful of these yoga things. Uh, you can go ahead and lower your arms, and you notice that you're wearing a black robe and red socks, a black and white nemesis, and now you can see. And so you look all around, and you behold a great ocean of blue, a great sky of red with clouds, and there is a great rainbow shooting across the whole sky, and you see some kind of little critters 
flittering in and out of the great rainbow, and you see a very large green triangle. Oh, and your feet are starting to lift off. The more you look up, the more you aspire. Oh, and you start to hear a golden tone kind of kind of calling you to just lift straight upward. You just roll your eyes upward and just rise, rise up beyond all of this stuff. You rise even past, oh, the flittering seraphim serpents going through the rainbow. You rise through the rainbow. You feel it going through. You see it going through you. You rise up above the clouds and you see the place where the very top of this green triangle can be found and you find yourself face to face with a great angel standing there facing you and as you look upon the image of this angel whose wings are like fire whose forehead bears the symbol of the golden sun who blows the trumpet with that beautiful sound. Upon the trumpet is a white flag, the red cross, gazing upon the countenance of this great angel who is Osiris, who is Michael, Zeus, Jupiter, whatever you call him. He is Axieros. He is solar fire life-giving and light-producing. You open up your arms to receive the light, the solar light, the blessing from this great being. The angel bows his head. You thank him. And you look down and you see the triangle, how it disappears into the clouds below. Down one way, you feel a certain energy, like a, like a chaotic energy, a heavy metal kind of disharmony, many sounds at once. And then on the other hand, you have more of a, I don't know, like a classical music Enya kind of feel. And, uh, you know, because of the mood you happen to be in, as well as the formula of the first entrance of the Practicus Initiation, we're going to go ahead and turn to the left. Go ahead and just float on down to the apex of the triangle and then hang on to the top and we'll reinstate gravity at this point. Ooh, you get that vertigo feeling? All right, all right. Now just cross your arms across your chest. It's a water slide and it's a 60 degree angle, so it's going to be fun. Just go ahead and let it happen. And as you slide down, you're sliding down past the clouds, past the rainbow. You're starting to hear the music change where there was that tone before. You're starting to get kind of a different, a different sound. You can hear it, so I, I, there's no need for me to describe it. And you find yourself approaching the ground. You're surrounded by volcanoes and lightning and storm and thud. You hit the ground, and you lift yourself up. You look around, 
and you catch the eye of a bald man with black skin standing by a cauldron, a great cauldron of fire, reminiscent of the one outside your temple in Malkud in episode 35. You approach him, walking barefoot on the jagged volcanic rock. Ow! Ow! You approach him. He's a little scary. And you say, Um, Hades? The man says, I am the left basal angle of the triangle of flame. I am fire, volcanic and terrestrial, flashingly flaming through the abysses of earth. Fire rending, fire penetrating, tearing asunder the curtain of matter. Fire constrained, fire tormenting, raging and whirling in lurid storm. And you think, oh, solar fire, volcanic fire, interesting. So stars and suns explode and supernovas becoming planets, becoming magma. Somehow you feel like you can let go of anything that would melt in a river of lava. Also, you feel like the lava that can create, that is fertile ground, once cooled. You thank him and you bow. And you walk on the green brick road. On either side of the green brick road is the jagged volcanic rock. You approach the ocean, and the green brick road continues. On either side is water. And sooner or later you look up and realize you're about halfway through. The apex of the triangle is high, directly above you. And you keep walking. We're going to walk all the way to the other side of the, the, the right basal angle, as it were. And you arrive. The music seems to have changed. You reach the end of the green brick path. And you are at the place where the green water slide coming down from Osiris would have come down had you come down that direction. Arising from the waters to your right, you see two beautiful women, sisters, but one is of pale complexion and one is of darker complexion. They smile to you. They speak in unison. We, we are, are the, the right, right basal, basal angle of the, the triangle, triangle of flame. We, we are, are the fire astral and fluid, winding and coruscating through the firmament. We, we are, are the life of beings, the vital heat of existence. The one with the darker complexion grabs your ankle and pulls you into the water. Both of them are laughing. You realize they're mermaids. You follow them as best you can underwater now. You realize that you have a fish tail as well. Sooner or later you realize that they are lights and so are you. And the three of you are now pink with orange highlights. They start to change to green with yellow highlights and you change as well. 
you realize this is because you are swimming with them. Suddenly you become aware of the vast ocean in all directions and all the schools of fish, i.e. lights, beings of all kinds, some swimming alone, some swimming in vast groups, some of one color in a group with different colors, some embodying all colors, some changing even as we speak. Over there there's two swimming together and then they separate and one joins up with those three and the other joins up with that one over there and then swims those directions happening everywhere in all directions it never it never ends it goes on and on and on you swim with them a while longer and laugh and sooner or later it is time for your path to go a different direction from theirs and so they take you back up to the surface where you began the green brick road And you walk back, halfway back toward Hades. You see that black box that you had originally come out of from your temple in Malkut. You look up high and you remember what was way up there. You think, well, where else is there to go? And then it occurs to you. So you rise up off the ground and fly, and you fly way back to where you can look back and see the image of the judgment card. You see where you had stood previously. You would be standing there if you weren't here looking at it. It's an empty box right now. You get the idea. Over to the left, you see those volcanic islands. Over to the right, you see those two women coming out of the surface of the water. And high up above, above the clouds, above the rainbow, you see the apex of the green triangle where the great angel or archangel stands or floats. And now, right in the middle, you notice something you didn't see before, a little orange light in the distance. And so you fly right through the center of the green triangle and toward that orange light. And when you arrive, you notice that it's a little tiny cloud and on that cloud is a bright orange door. And on that orange door is a blue eight-pointed star. However you want to visualize it, that's correct. You approach the door. And somehow you know the particular knock to give. down you turn the handle of the door and it's locked that's right we have to pathwork the sun card before you can get into your temple and hoed but you're halfway there for now let's turn around fly back the other way and notice that from this vantage point Hades is on the right and the two women are on the left that looks funny and we fly back through the triangle and down into the wooden box. Let's go ahead and pull the lid down on top of us. And we sort of roll back out into our temple in Malkuth. We'll, we'll work on the landing next time. We'll get the hang of it. So we're back in the temple in Malkuth. Our guest tonight, we were speaking recently about how one might work with Jupiter 
now that it's going direct, and uh, I thought it might make for a good episode. But first, let's bring in our co-host, Joe Shantz. Hello. Hello, how are you? Great. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. There's that clicking again. I wonder if there's anything we can do. Is it clicking Is it clicking now? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm really sorry. I don't know what to do. Hmm. Well, you know, I guess we'll just deal with it. Is, is it moving? Like, do you move it when... No, 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 I'm not moving at all. So let me... Um, so I'm going to go on mute for just a couple seconds and see if the clicking is still there. Okay. Okay, no clicking. No. Okay, so that that might be what we can do. Like, as soon as I yeah. sort of, like, finish talking, I'm going to mute. Okay. We'll just uh, go ahead and, and do that. So so how's your week been? I heard it's been a little bit crazy. It has, but it's it's a good kind of crazy. Well, that's good. Productive crazy. Yeah. How about you? I, I don't really remember what's, uh, yeah, just all over the place. I don't know what's going on. That's a good question. I should look into that. <laughs> what have I been doing? Okay, so oh, uh, Janie's on spring break, so we've been we went to Universal Studios yesterday, and and we're we're uh, we're in vacation mode. That's what it is. So, do they have the Harry Potter? Did you go to do all the Harry Potter stuff, or is that in Orlando? We did. We went to the Harry Potter stuff. It was it was nice to see the. Uh, the castle, the school, you know, Hogwarts, it's uh, not quite as huge as, as in real life, I, I suppose you could say. But it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's elevated and there's this great riot inside of it. The best part, for me, the best part was we went in, you know, and, and stood in line and all that. And we got strapped in and it was sort of reminiscent. It's like Haunted House squared haunted house cubed it's like haunted house on crack you know like like they they're running with that model so you're like you're 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 moving mostly sideways and you're stre- you know you're you're being held down and then the thing starts winding you whipping you around like ninja over at you know uh uh six flags or something and but you're uh, sometimes you're looking at something they that they've built and sometimes you're looking at a screen and you're wearing little goggles that make it 3D so you're in a in a kidditch quibitch I'm I'm not as big of a Harry Potter fan. My my wife is going to hear this. And yeah, it's when, Quidditch. Quidditch. <laughs> and and uh, but then at one point the ride just crapped out, and we were just staring at blankness, and we were on our backs, and we couldn't move, and we were strapped in, and there was a voice saying, "Please stand by," and it stood. It it was forever. It was a really long time. It was like someone had to reboot a computer while we were there on our backs, and you know I'd like lean forward and look around the edge of the screen and you could kind of see like what was going on like oh okay that's like backstage area and then when it first started it gradually started moving and the sounds weren't all quite there so there was just this while we're moving in these weird random you know uh motions not quite as quickly as we're supposed to so that that was my favorite part of the whole experience that, yeah, was that sounds awesome that oh, sounds like so when good. i first when i first uh, went to universal when when it opened in Orlando, um, they had this ride that was like it, they were promoting a movie that was like like an earthquake disaster movie or something, and it kept breaking and it kept like they kept having to reboot. So it really kind of lost that thrill of like oh my god you're in an earthquake and you're in Bart, 
Um, yeah, it didn't really work. But um, actually, when um, when I was at Universal last, I did the whole Harry Potter thing, and I, I splurged and I got myself a Ravenclaw robe. Oh, nice. That's, that's where I'd be sorted. That's cool. Yeah, they had the wands with the little uh, light thing on the end, so you could actually wave them at certain places within the park and make you know the cake turn around inside the display case and stuff like that. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it was cute. So it looks like uh, Courtney's ready for us to bring her in. So let's get to that interview, shall we? Let's do it. Greetings, Soar. Welcome to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Thank you very much. It's nice to Hi, be Courtney. here. Hi, <laughs> Courtney. This is my co-host, Joe. Hi, Joe. Hiya. And we're here to talk about Jupiter and oh, whatever Jupiter. else. Whatever else comes up. So um, do you have any initial thoughts? What, did you, what, is Jupiter, I'm not as connected with everything as I used to be. Has it gone direct or is it about to go direct? Yes, Jupiter went direct yesterday. Oh, good. Yes, I've been eagerly awaiting this moment. <laughs> <laughs> but we've still got Mercury. Maybe I should pull up some kind of uh, ephemeris or, or Llewellyn's calendar. Yeah, well, I, mean, I don't, I don't want to draw. I don't want to drag you into astrology. It's probably not your forte. But, uh, well, it used to be. Oh, we we love oh, astrology. Okay. Yeah, We're good with it. Yeah, my my dad was a little too obsessed with it, so I have that. Like, I grew up with him saying, "Sorry, I yelled at you, son. Moon was void, of course, you see." And so oh, wow. I have kind of like a negative anchor on it sometimes, but uh, but I'm very familiar with it. More or less, I just don't always know where the planets are at, a, at any given moment. Uh, well, I should I should just go ahead and tell you guys. Oh, thank you. That that was... I don't I don't know very much about anything. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Okay. Oh, you're you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just making it up, and the audience is going to cringe. They're going to be like, "Oh, they uh, they don't know." They, yeah, they're people are listening to they're this. Like, delete, delete, <laughs> delete. Dumbing down the occult community. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just uh, consulting the internet as I go. Nice, nice. <laughs> I, I've got the internet. I've got a few books around here. Um, yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, it's it's been so nice with with all the resources that are out there on the internet. Just because, you know, I remember the old days where you kind of had to go through, and I'm really dating myself, but you had to go through those like giant ephemeris books and like really learn how to read those. And it was good being in an order where there were there were a couple of, like really, really like serious experts in astrology who like taught me how to do that yeah. um but i'm still like i would not claim to be an expert but i do know kind of how to read an ephemeris but it's it's so like it can be really kind of daunting whereas on the internet like you have so many great resources now to just get whatever you need yeah a lot of people can just break it down for me really easily i yeah. uh, i should mention that i've been following a gentleman named christopher wateki for some time now he is a psychic astrologer Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, what happens when you come to California, you find a psychic astrologer. Uh, <laughs> well, of course you have to. <laughs> so, uh, he is great. Uh, he does daily videos and then he, uh, walks you through the charts for the day and, uh, gives interpretations. Uh, but, um, it's, uh, it's not super detailed. It's, you know, it's meant for a, a broader oh. audience, but I guess, uh, you know, the leading edge. Not, not to get too far off topic, but you, you mentioned coming to California. You mind if I ask where you're from? 
I grew up on the East Coast. I was I was born in Los Angeles, and then uh, my family moved east. My mom and I went to California, and my dad moved to New York. Okay. Uh, so I kind of consider myself to be from both locations. Well, Joe's in New York. Great. Yeah, and before that, I was in. I lived in San Francisco for like six years. So I, nice. I'm, I've kind of got that bi-coastal thing going on too. Nice. Fantastic. And I'm, I'm here in LA. I'm visiting uh, Sunnyvale currently. Oh, okay. Right oh, on. Fun. Yes, I'm talking to you from Sunnyvale. <laughs> <laughs> you know that place? It's funny. I'm going way off topic, but it's, you know, Sunnyvale just used to be like fruit orchards. It's crazy how much it's changed. Like particularly from the people that that I knew there who used to live there. They're like, yeah, that there's there was no Yahoo campus out here. There was, you know, it was nothing. It was just farmland. Yeah, it's still it's still definitely. Uh, a bit small town for me in comparison to both Santa Monica, which is where I reside, and also uh, coming from New York. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's pretty quiet. It's a nice town. I like it here. Um, I should mention to you, this is kind of on topic. Mm-hmm. They have a little storefront. So this, this town is kind of in the midst of uh, gentrification. And so there's a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, um, Diversity in the storefronts. Some are older. Uh, they're kind of hanging on. But there's one storefront in particular that I was kind of interested in. And in the in the front window, um, they have two signs. One of which says, "Odd Fellows, Daughters of Rebecca." Hmm. Hermenia. Oh, cool. Uh, the Odd Fellows were really interesting people. Yeah, I'd never heard of them, but uh, it looked like it was some sort of uh, order. <laughs> it looked like it was of interest. What do you know about the Odd Fellows, Joe? Very little other than um, they were kind of in that kind of hermetic bent. Um, I don't think that they were as, um, oh, and we're, we're probably going to get hate mail because I don't know what I don't <laughs> oh, know. No. But I, they, they um, you know, they, they, I'll look them they up were here. hermetic-ish, like they were quasi-Masonic, but they also had a mystical bent. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I've never seen a storefront that kind of advertised that. Yeah, it's just these two signs. It looks like they've got the men and the women covered, I'm guessing. Let's see. It says here uh, on the wiki, a fraternity consisting of lodges earliest documented in 1745 or 1730 in London. So it sounds sort of like the Masons, but different. Um, hmm. Names of several British pubs today still suggest past Odd Fellows affiliations. Hmm. So maybe it was a pub? No, no. It's, it's literally just a storefront with a... Oh. With a curtain, and then in front of the curtain, closest to the window, is they have these two kind of posters. And one one is uh, the Daughters of Rebecca, and the other is the Odd Fellows. Interesting. It is. I think so, too. I mean, it's just, it's just this little storefront. With now, Rebecca, was the, is that the wife of Isaac, Rebecca, Revka? Uh, she, was, she, she had an interesting role in, in a book called uh, The Red Tent. Oh, okay. I haven't read that yet. It's pretty good. It's well. It's good. I like um, sort of biblical fiction. Like uh, it's the it's it's an ex- expounding of, upon a question. I think there was an earlier uh, work called "What Would Dina Say," um, or at least that's what my Hebrew teacher said. I don't know. Maybe she's misremembering. But um, it was basically there's there was those twelve brothers, the you know uh, Dan and Isaacar and Reuben and 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 Judah. You know the the ones that became the twelve tribes, the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay. And there was a sister named Dina. And uh, everything got screwed up when 
she wanted to go out with someone who wasn't circumcised because the only people who were circumcised were her father and her brothers. You know, I mean, you know, one one would sort of sympathize with her, you know, end of the situation. So she didn't go too out. She didn't go too far outside the family tree, though. She Can I went just say with... it's kind of creepy that she knew that I would be kind of creeped out. Yeah, but... I know. Yeah. Well, I don't know what they were wearing back then. It was old times. But she went for a second cousin, <laughs> you know, like a, or maybe it was even a first cousin. It was it was. uh no, I don't remember if it, I'm not as 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 much of a scholar as you know I pretend to be. But um, it was a guy who wasn't circumcised, and they were worshiping a star day. They hadn't gotten the memo on the Jacobite thing, and so her brothers got really freaked out um, that they had hooked up, and so they went and uh, well, they, I think what what was it that happened? They 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 were they went and killed everyone, or they first they. They were threatening them, and then they said, okay, okay, as long as everyone in your household gets circumcised, then everything will be all right, and we'll avoid a, a war between our two houses. And so they all, male oh. adults, all these, they, it's like the first time they all circumcised themselves, and so they were moaning and wailing, and the, you know, Dina was like, okay, finally, I can, I, I can have peace, and, and they have a, a marriage ceremony and everything. And her brothers, still not enough, so they come in, and they kill everybody, and they take their sister back. Wait, so and they made them they... get circumcised and then they killed everybody? Yes. <laughs> and there is not one mention of anything that she said. It never says, and Dina said, and, or, and Dina felt like, what? Like, there's not, not, nothing in the Bible at all. And so they, they wrote the book, The Red Tent, as an answer to the question, well, yeah, but what about from Dina's point of view? And so, you know, it's, that's basically where that's coming from. And so Revka is her uh, grandmother who is the pagan, um, like Semitic pagan lineage, who is imparting these these things to her that, you know, we presume ended up getting lost, but it was the, it, yeah. it's interesting. I won't spoil it too much. Joe, are you going to say something? Well, I just think it's, I'm going back to the baser things. I'm like, okay, so you say you're going to get circumcised, but like, would they, would they like lift up their, their man skirts to the like show call? like like what's up with that that's just weird and I know. that's just weird i was thinking maybe it was just common knowledge because you would have a brisk when you're born <laughs> and maybe yeah. they didn't have a brisk well there was the first one well abraham circumcised circumcised himself mm. and his son and his son was isaac Ew. isaac circumcised his son jacob jacob circumcised all his sons so what it was was isaac had no God, where was the there was a there was a branch there was Isaac's brother or his first cousin I forget, um, but the one who didn't end up with the stick uh, yeah someone got tricked in the in the red tent it was Rebecca that tricked Isaac into not giving the stick to the the other guy and giving it to Jacob instead anyway this has nothing to do with Jupiter we're we're like, <laughs> totally not we hitting the slightly <laughs> yeah let's let's maybe we should get back to Jupiter all right. I, let's I'll bring, should I should I give you my my reason for yeah sure <laughs> certainly all right so um I have been in uh I've been I've been hanging out with the hanged man I'm in the spiritual womb mm -hmm. uh, going through the spiritual awakening and it's uh it's been it's been going on since uh about the end of July last year mm -hmm. and uh, I received a vision of Jupiter. Uh, pretty early on, and it looked like a blueprint. You know, how blueprints are gray; they're like gray blue tones, mm -hmm. and it's kind of uh, monotone, monotonistic. Uh, it was like that, except it was a it was a planet, 
And then it kind of went close up and it zoomed in to the eye of Jupiter. And that's how I knew it was Jupiter. Hmm. So uh, I've been kind of, you know, just keeping an eye out for anything related to Jupiter that is uh, that looks like something I should look into. So I uh, studied um, the first the first lesson in alchemy, and I made a lemon balm tincture. Nice on Thor's day with cool. my lemon balm. Okay, okay. So you know the basics. Well, really basics, right? And yeah. then, uh, so from there, I've just been kind of keeping an eye out for what's going on. Uh, I started getting into tarot, and then I took a tarot class, and I was looking for, I was just doing a little research surrounding a, a symbol related, it looks like, it looks like the symbol of Jupiter. And in the process, um, I came across uh, a reference to the Golden Dawn, and I knew what the Golden Dawn was because of my tarot class. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know anything really beyond that, just that it existed and that they had, uh, that the, the order had uh, subscribed astrological correspondences to the cards. Mm-hmm. And then I came across this, uh, it's the greater ritual of the hexagram. Right. And it says that you can invoke Jupiter. And I thought, well, this sounds like what I need to do. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so here I am. And I have very little information. But cool. I- no, that's actually a lot of information. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, you've got like the whole map and you just kind of need some stuff filled in, it sounds like. Yeah, so I, I uh, yesterday I just kind of took a look at the planets. Um, somebody had posted on your Facebook page and, and said something about all the planets that are in retrograde. So I thought, well, you know, um, I'll just take a look. Uh, I, I had uh, looked at my natal chart and to see where the Jupiter transit is then. It was in Taurus. That's We've got a little ways off. That's 2023 before that's going to happen. Well, let me let me let you know uh, something about at least the order where I came from. And it's something that um, that I carry with me the same way that I carry the advice that my mom gave me when I was very young, which was it's not exactly advice. It's just that when I was, you know, young enough to understand, I was, I was, I was still so young that I was seeing monsters in the night, but I was uh, old enough that I could understand concepts and my mom could communicate kind of full concepts to me. And so the concept that she got across was that, no, this is your room. They're not allowed in your room if you don't want them. So if they have to leave because you're human mm. and, they're, and they're a spirit. So if you say, get out, they leave. And I said, thank you. And so I've always carried that with me. And so as an adult working with students who can't make the monster leave their room, sometimes I don't know, I don't even know how, I, 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 I wish I could put the confidence in a bottle and hand it to them. Um, and all I can say is it's a matter of being confident, uh, not competent, but confi- confident. Um, but I'm, I, I was very lucky to have been, I f- consider myself very lucky to have been given that advice at that time because it's something I've always taken for granted. Similarly, in the grade of Zelator in 1995, they told me that with a simple lesser banishing ritual of the hexagram, you render null all astrological influences. Oh, so this is where we lose half our audience. <laughs> People are like, okay, okay, fuck this guy. You know? He knows nothing about astrology. There was, there was this one time I was teaching a class, and it ended up being known as the burn the dog class. But um, I, was, I was way too drunk to be teaching. It was, I was in the middle of a breakup, and I was, it was a long, long story. But anyway, um, it was Power Week 2007, I want to say. And um, 
maybe 2008. I don't know. But uh, what was I talking about? So there, there was this woman, this Native American woman just burst, you know, stood up and stormed out of the class. And, and my friends were, were in the office and they were like, what's wrong? Are you OK? And she says, he has no understanding of the animal soul. And she like burst out and they were like, wow, this must be good. <laughs> so <laughs> that all being said, <laughs> that is my disclaimer. Oh my um, this is uh, this is where I'm coming from. Um, so so Jupiter uh, as a as a force that we wield, my where where I came from originally wasn't. I mean, I I I was fascinated by the connection between, for example, like you said, the eye of Jupiter. I'm assuming you're talking about the eye of the storm, mm-hmm. the uh, the red dot, mm-hmm. um, the the actual physical Jupiter and its its moons and its uh, everything that it's doing. I'm I'm fascinated by holding that on one hand and trying to at the same time hold the mythological slash astrological Jupiter on the other hand and see if I can hold them both at the same time and see what I can get out of it and then you know things pop up about the uh, <clears throat> the moons of Jupiter but they seem sort of arbitrarily named later like I'm always skeptical about I mean that's kind of right where I think. When someone's traditional golden dawn, it's like, oh, Crowley said it. Oh, well, I'm going to file that under Crowley said it. Um, you know, any, anything kind of like post-1900 where someone's saying, oh, well, that's because your Pluto is sextile your Uranus. I, I've already tuned out because those aren't ancient planets. So I'm, I'm thinking only in terms of what people thousands of years ago would have said. Um, but f- through the lens of the Victorian model of the Golden Dawn. So uh, so Jupiter, as, as we come to know it in the Golden Dawn, as you probably already know, corresponds to the Wheel of Fortune, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is, uh, rules riches and poverty, corresponds to the letter calf, which... Um, yeah, I mean, there's this whole elaborate dance that they do with wordplay, word and there's this surprise reveal in the portal grade that I, I'm going to let it be a surprise reveal. It's just such a, a neat little thing. Anybody can look it up. If you look up portal initiation, Golden Dawn, and just read through the script, there'll be one point where you'll see what I'm talking about with the calf being added to a word. But for the people that want to play it traditional, I'm not going to spoil their fun. Um, that all said... Um, it's the highest, what I will say is on the tree of life, it is the path that touches the highest potential that we're supposedly, that we have while we're alive. So like, for example, the blue of Chesed is related to the blue robe that was worn by the high priest Aaron in Leviticus. And in that paradigm, in the Judeo paradigm, um, that was the highest office. Uh, similarly, the blue of the premonstrator who sits in the role of Isis in a golden dawn temple is the seven equals four of the temple, even though usually the person sitting in the robe is not of that grade. But um, symbolically, they are of the highest grade of the humans sitting in the temple. So calf connects to that. So there's, you know, they, they, a lot of times people are approaching, like there's an old medieval talisman that has uh, the equal armed cross on it, and it says A G L A. And as far as I know, that's where we get Agla in the Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram is from this Jupiter Talisman of Prosperity. So that's interesting. Hmm. But usually, that's where people's minds go uh, with uh, Jupiter is oh, prosperity. Let's talk about that. Um, but it, it, the the 
heaven of Asaya, what's called the heaven of Asaya in other, okay, I'm, let me, let me, I'm skipping around. Uh, and then I'll, I'll stop talking for a minute. I'll let, let Joe talk or something because I get tired of the sound of my own voice. But the, uh, the fourth sephirot on the tree of life, and we're talking about, of course, the Kircher one, the one that the Catholics drew, not the, not the Jewish one. Um, and I, I'd be very interested in interviewing somebody who is very familiar with both systems to talk, compare and contrast them. But I, I'm not qualified to do that. But I know that there's differences. That said, chesed is Hebrew for basically uh, the equivalent of the Greek word agape, which is universal love. Uh, brotherly love, the merciful love, the that just that flowing love. And so there are four worlds of the Kabbalah, and those four worlds can be seen wherever you look uh, at the Kabbalah. Even if you look at the highest world of the Kabbalah, you can find four worlds of the Kabbalah there. If you look at the lowest world of the Kabbalah, you can find four worlds of the Kabbalah there. So it's a little bit confusing. It's like a, a 16 cubes, 16 cubes all stacked together. And, and depending on which way you look, you can see the subworld of the subworld. That all said, okay, so you're looking at chesed, which is the blue sphere, which is the highest potential that a human has while they're incarnate, supposedly, unless you're Crowley or David Griffin or whoever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and a few other people who've claimed grades higher than seven equals four. Um, so the highest world is the pure deity world, and that corresponds to the divine name El. So whenever you hear like Gabriel, Gavriel, if you want to be you know Hebrew, um, it's the the strength of El, and that particular that that that's the name of God that's a particularly attributed to Chesed, which is also interesting because it's similar to Allah, and there's a blue thing, and there's a, a, we. It's it's interesting. Well, um, it's, you know, and it's also really an interesting warning about that whole nature because you sort of have, you know, the, the two letters Aleph and Lamed uh, correspond to ox and ox code. Yes, and so yeah. the ox code is the thing that like keeps the ox like if you, if the ox moves too far to one side or the other, it's going to experience pain. So it kind of keeps it on the straight and narrow path, and you know, and that's it's still the ox is a left, which is like the high, you know, the, the, the closest letter to divinity. Mm. And, you know, so you get some really interesting things there. I think it's a big warning because I think that if you, you know, everyone wants Jupiter because everyone wants prosperity and it, it isn't at all great, but it's prosperity of everything. Meaning that like, you know, it could be prosperity of sorrow or prosperity of, you know, people giving you chickens and you're just like, I can't deal with all these chickens. <laughs> like, what am I going to do with them? I don't have a chicken coop. Like, it's not helpful to me it's very so, expansive yeah yeah and you know actually there was a really cool experience a friend of mine talked about being in that kind of um that spiritual place i thought was really beautiful and i'm going to paraphrase him badly but he was just like you know i was just in this park and all of a sudden like i just felt this over expanse of of just love for everything around me like he would just look at someone on the street and he was just like you know just loved that person fully and the tree that was nearby just you know just that kind of experience but you know being in that place too long can you know make you blow up really mm, interesting the uh I, I, along that same line aleph and lamed the ox and the ox goad, uh, Aleph uh, on the tarot and all that corresponds with uh, air. The heaven of Saya for Aleph is air. Uh, and for Libra is, 
or rather for Lamed is Libra, which is cardinal air, which is cardinal meaning the mover of the initial spark that moves. So, I mean, it's built in. It's interesting when you find things that kind of confirm the, uh, you know, uh, very interesting correspondences that are given to us through the Golden Dawn system where you have, you know, the tarot and the Hebrew and the, and the elements and the astrology and the gods and everything all line up in one little neat system. And you're like, uh-huh, <laughs> you know, but then it's like, oh, you know, when, when, when something is like, oh, that, that overlaps. Oh, that's the same thing over here. It's kind of interesting. But um, so that's L, Aleph Lamed, Air, Libra, Ox, Ox Goad. Um, but it's the divine name L. It's yeah, and it, but the thing is, it's it's in the context of the whole tree of life. So it's opposite on the other side of the tree of life. The opposite of L is Elohim Gibur, which is the strength of Elohim. And then Elohim, of course, is both masculine and feminine, both singular and plural. So it's neither here nor there. It's it's kind of where the word non-dual gets used in the East, you can find something similar there in the word Elohim uh, because, are, are you, you know, it's, is it feminine? Well, yes and no. Is it masculine? Well, yes and no. Is it plural? Well, yes and no. Is it singular? Well, yes and no. It's one of the names of God and it's very interesting that way. Um, so the strength, the power of that is, uh, is, is its equivalent on the opposite side of the tree of life and that rules over mars so that's kind of the relationship there well yeah um, you know people think of, about mars as being like this massively strong force and it really is but jupiter's actually even you know thinking about again the, the tree of life it's it's even you know more than that like yeah uh, you know gabura doesn't exist without um has said and you know jupiter is kind of that same way i think that, that people think you know there's an underestimation of just the, the raw power that, that Jupiter has sometimes. And, you know, it should be treated with as much caution, I think, as, as Mars. Yeah. If not more. So the next world down, so that's the world called absolute, which is the uh, pure deity of the, of the sphere of Chesed. The next level down is Bria, which is the world of archangels and archetypes. And it's supposed to, one way it's described is as, again, you know, as in Chesed is the highest we can attain to while we're human. Bria is the highest world we can comprehend while we're human. We're usually thinking in the next world down, which we'll get to. It's called Yetzira. But when we meditate and we aspire and we let go of the mundane things and we allow ourselves to, then we can experience Bria. Um, so that's where... Zadkiel is found, a little bit of linguistics there. Tzadek means Jupiter in Hebrew. It also means righteous. And uh, Malkitzadek is uh, priest and king. Mal Malki or Malka being, or Melek. Melek. Well, there's an angel and king and queen all are very, very similar. But Malkitzadek is basically the Melki part is king. Tzadek is the priest, but it really means righteous one. And it actually means Jupiter. Um, so Tzad Kiel, God or El, uh, is my righteousness. When you put an, a Yod at the end of a noun, it makes it first person possessive. So Tzad Kiel is an archangel whose name means God is my righteousness or God is my Jupiter. Um, so that's Bria. The next level down from there is the world of the uh, choirs of angels, which uh, Hashmalim. Do you know? Do you have anything about Hashmalim? I, I used the fact that it sounds like hash as a way to memorize it but i other <laughs> other than would. that i <laughs> i've got i've got different color scales i can work with but i don't have a whole lot on them do you, have you worked with them 
I, you know, I really haven't. Um, yeah, me either. <laughs> I've invoked them. I've visualized a lot of uh, blue angels of Jupiter, but I couldn't tell you much more about them. I don't even know the meaning of the word Hashmalim, other than that it's plural at the end. But anyway, okay, so that's that. And then the heaven of Asiya, or heaven of Asiya, if you're speaking Hebrew, uh, which means world of action. Okay, olam Asiya means world of action. Osei means make or do. So if you're making bread, you're oseying bread. If you're looking at the infin infinitive of that verb, it's Asiya. And uh, if you're, so that's called action or making or doing, specifically usually talking about bread. Um, and then, uh, so the world of Asiya is the world of action, which is usually referred to as the physical universe. Um, and on that level, what they call the heaven of Asiya is Tzedek, which is the planet Jupiter. So there you have Hesed. Um, and so the relationship between Hesed and Jupiter is said to be like, if Hesed were an infinite plane, you know, Jupiter is like a dot on that plane. That's really beautiful. I like that. Yeah. And then I, I, I've always thought that the fact that the path leading directly down from Chesed is the path ruled by Jupiter or the Wheel of Fortune, and it leads down to the Sephirot Netzach, whose heaven of Asaya is Venus, it kind of reminds me of the drop of blood or spittle or semen falling down off the cliff from Jupiter or Zeus or whatever into the ocean and foaming up and making Aphrodite or Venus or whatever. <laughs> Right? Anyone? <laughs> I'll, I'll put in some crickets. Oh, okay, you guys. Go. I feel like I heard you talk about that on the last <laughs> podcast. <laughs> You're like, yeah, no, this, you, this is old material. <laughs> but, you know, but it makes sense. Like, if you think about, like, the, the different aspects that, that you have present, you know, and I kind of, you know, and, and I'm using these things interchangeably, and I, I, I just want to acknowledge, like, Jupiter to to has said because you know they're, they're like natures um in a lot of ways and, and like with netsec you have sort of that that de derived you know there's this derivation of of all the stuff that's in has said which is all you know th there's that infinite love kind of thing uh that people really like about jupiter and you get a much more um you know lusty physical kind of love down in in netsec and in in you know, when you think about Mars and you think about Gaburra, you kind of get like all the power that's really present there as well. And then, you know, you can kind of do that with 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 all the the different, um, you know, connections that uh, has said and, and really Jupiter have. Yeah. Jupiter, the gods, was sort of an asshole, wasn't he? I mean, I know more about Zeus, to be honest. I, I, I'm sure that Kirini Ariadne would slap me across the head for speaking so interchangeably. The, the Golden Dawn is very guilty of just, like, assuming everything's going to be syncretized in 10,000 years anyway, so why not do it now, you know? But then there's people that are like, these gods are different. They're, they're very different personas and different personalities. So, so you have the planet Jupiter, but then you have these characters from mythology, and then it's like, where do they come in? And at a certain point, the brain shuts down and just says, you know what? Let's be Buddhist. I'm just going to yeah, talk to yoga. Exactly. Like, this yeah, is ridiculous. All this synchronization, I mean, you have, because like, I know that they try to make this, this connection. I think that there is somewhat of a connection between like Ma'at and Themis, but those, they are two totally different things. Um, you know, and I'm just saying that having worked more with, with um, Themis and 
also doing work with my aunt, but like they're, they're so different. Um, although you can kind of see, okay, well, there's this fairness aspect in, in that legality aspect that's, um, that Themis has that, that Ma, Ma also has, but it's, it's also, you know, they each have their own domains that are, that are larger than, you know, yeah. like there's an intersection, but you know, it's, it's not the same. So I'm sure that there are people who do like, who are like Egyptian specific. Oh my God, it's not Zeus. Yeah. Yeah. If someone's Egyptian specific, like, you know, I got some friends in Africa that kind of want to pull, you know, maybe get some of the Greek out of, uh, out of, out of the, the golden dawn and leave the African, you know, to, so that they can kind of bring that out sort of similar to like the way that, the CSS was trying to extract the Voldemort out of the, that influence out of the grade material for, in order to recreate itself. I don't, they probably don't appreciate me just saying these things out loud, but that's, that's why I don't <laughs> accept their invitations to come back to the table. Cause then, then there'd be like, yeah, well, you know, the 12 of us have decided that you need to knock it off with your podcast, Edward. No. <laughs> I'm like, nope. We I need the, the podcast. chief adept of an order of one. Thank you. <laughs> I'm there with you. I'm right there with you. Order of one is fine by me. Yeah. So I have some questions mm -hmm. that are related to everything you just said. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Now I've, I've read that you can invoke all the planets, and I've read uh, I've read something about the spirits plural of Jupiter, and then uh, and then also I I've been watching a woman uh, her name's Chloe Hudson on YouTube, and she channels uh, Mother Earth, mm -hmm. and Mother Earth has a very interesting personality. <laughs> she's really she's very excited, <laughs> and she has a lot of enthusiasm. And uh, it's it's really fun to hear her communications, uh, but it's also makes me it also makes me uh, just curious about reconciling these this idea that the planets have personalities, or that there may be multiple personalities or right. spirits associated with Jupiter, for example. I my mind goes straight to the conversation I had with Lon Milo Duquette about, you know, how there isn't really any hard lines between Akashic record and reincarnation and DNA. And so, I mean, that said, um, I think that if I were to channel Mother Earth, um, it would might be a different personality than than that. Um, and and some of the things said might be different, and then someone could take you know argue argue back and forth and make it a holy war about who who has the real connection oh, to Mother yeah. Earth, or acknowledge that they're both valid connections between a human being. And yes, 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 yes. An idea I love, of Mother Earth. I love that. You know, it was really interesting. I, I there was a, a time when I actually saw uh, three women um, channel ISIS, for example, and. It, it was almost in a way looking like looking at the fates in a way where you had, you know, the, the you know, where you have the, the, the girl, the um, the mother figure and then the old crone. And yet they're all one person. And yet the messages that they were delivering and how they were delivering it were totally different. And but w could you say, well, someone, oh, she's not really there. And ISIS, that's just her own personality. Well, that may be true, but. 
you, you know, something that big can be expressed in a lot of different ways, I think. I bet if you went back in time to when George Washington was smoking a bowl, thinking about e pluribus unum, he'd <laughs> say something similar. You know, like like many ways of expressing one thing, but e pluribus unum out of one many out of many one, you know. So I think like if you did that work with, with Jupiter, for for example, Courtney, I think that would be like, you know, you would have your own connection and that would be very real. Um could you connect to a different aspect of it? Or would you call that something separate? Would you say, okay, well, it's you know, connecting with, with this entity that's revealed itself to me and it's a true form of, you know, maybe that maybe that's just an expression of this totality. Um, it's really hard to say, but it's all really interesting in practice. Yeah, especially uh, looking from the outside in. <laughs> It sounds very interesting. Yeah. Well, that's the place to be. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's been there's been two or three times that I've stood inside of a very well put together Solomonic circle in a probably the biggest, most grandiose, specifically Golden Dawn temple to have walked the earth yet uh, with these ridiculously tall pillars uh, that, that, you know, it, 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 I, I was always ready to like dive out of whichever deus officer throne I was sitting in to, to sacrifice my life to save a neophyte from being crushed by these things. Should someone <laughs> lean against one because they were just sort of standing there. There wasn't any kind of reason or anything. They were incredibly heavy and they were stacked on top of wooden blocks. It was like the most precarious thing. It was like, don't touch the pillars. We'll all die. You know, and then and then everything set up perfectly. Like, you know, sometimes we'd have the uh, the watchtowers there in their macrocosmic elemental positions instead of the microcosmic ones, which are according to the elemental positions of the lesser banishing, uh, you know, or the pentagram rituals rather than the uh, than the lesser hexagram rituals, for instance, all to invoke Jupiter on a Thursday on the hour of Jupiter in order to consecrate the most beautiful fucking talisman you've ever seen made out of tin and painted and just ornate and beautiful. And there's Jesus on it for some reason. And all I wanted was to be somewhere else right then because I, I, I didn't want to be there. I really had other things I wanted to do. And, uh, and so it's, I mean, having, having come from that, you know, I mean, whatever I can glean from those experiences to offer the people that want to be able to like have cool ceremonial experiences with Jupiter, or, I mean, basically it's a matter of just allowing yourself to do it. I think coming from act. I love that. I think, I think that sound is pretty, pretty oh, terrible. Sorry. Oh, the sound. The, getting like it's a it's worse than usual. Yeah, it's uh, the the crackling sound. It has ended now. Now it's over. Yeah, now it's good. <laughs> yeah, because I knew. Oh, oh it's that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because you hit mute. That's what it was. Crap. I wonder what we can do. Uh, you know what? Keep going, and I'm going to take you read this. So yeah. Okay. Um. Okay, so I have some questions I'll yeah. ask you. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm just thinking, um, to speak to the prosperity element of Jupiter, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm familiar with that. I understand that there are, that it does, it does kind of have an element of expansion. So uh, as Joe said, it can expand, you know, the number of chickens you receive that you don't need. <laughs> um, but also I read that uh, it is uh, expansion of illumination. 
So that sounds uh, something that I might want to attain. Yeah, that was yeah, that was kind of what I was getting at with some of the other stuff about Chesed and yeah. about the uh, the calf. The um, the basically what I what I will say, you know, I didn't want to say too much and and re, you know do the big reveal on on something that's like a big aha reveal in the portal initiation. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, calf corresponds to spirit, and. Um, the reason why the purple veil that is that the uh, that Sandalphon or Isis um, in the universe card or the world card, the, 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 it makes a calf. Um, the veil makes the the shape of the letter calf, and on the back of, in the center of the back of the uh, the equal armed cubical cross which is the key into the universe card is the letter calf so it's it's repeatedly used as the central figure so its relationship to the other planets basically is that um, well I mean if you look specifically at that symbol and I'm talking about the cubical cross of 22 squares um, which you can find on the internet and whatnot but uh, the the resh is used in place of spirit on the side uh, where the elements are found, so where the three mother letters, and and then Tav ends up being used as Earth because it's connected to the Earth, and there's no letter that represents the Earth. But if you turn it over, you have the planets that remain. Um, Venus is used for Earth in its green aspect and the aspect of fertility. Of I, I always think of a rose reaching for the sun, like as like a sexual, you know, almost like reaching, longing for the sun, but then it never reaches it; it just dies. But that's the that's when it exits and returns to the sun in a way. So, so similarly, you have Netzach. I'm jumping around. I'm sorry. You have Netzach. Um, its its connection to Tiferet is the death card. So that when that rose reaches for the sun, it reaches it in death. It was a line from a poem I wrote twenty some odd years ago. But anyway, um, okay. What am I talking about? What was the question? Calf. Okay, so Jupiter. Yeah, it's it's true. It it is. Now, but yeah, like Joe was saying, the tricky thing about it is that it includes both um, riches and poverty, and it kind of has. Sometimes it has its own thing in mind. Now, it, yeah, they, looking kind of from an Eastern perspective, they talk about well, good karma results in riches, um, and then from certain sort of Judeo-Christian sources that mirror that, they talk about that if you give. The more you give, the more you receive, because God wants to give to those who who give, you know, that kind of stuff. That's kind of built into our culture, which is, you know, it, it, but it, okay, I don't know what am I talking about. <laughs> what was what was the question? So so the the, it, it, the 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 division, you know, there's that whole you can't serve both God and Mammon. But what is service? What does it mean to serve? Do you have to be totally in poverty in order to serve um, God? in that context and the usage of the word God that they're talking about. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I think that they're connected and they're not necessarily dissimilar that energy is energy and ideas are ideas and symbols are symbols. Um, so to, to grow and to prosper as a being uh, would, would include illumination. Now the thing with the, with I, the more the more I've learned over the years, the less I understand. 
I thought if you asked me when I was 15 years old, if I knew what spirit was, I would say yes, <laughs> where now I'm 37 and I don't um, because it's everywhere, because it's in everything. It, the definition of it is that it's behind everything. The, 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 uh, the, the alchemical principle that creates or writes or, or gives life to the other two is mercury. Mercury creates the salt upon which the salt, the sulfur can express itself, but it's all mercury. So it's all, you know, and, and, you know, in, in, in the council of Nicaea, oh, okay. Add to group call. One sec. They talk about the Holy spirit moving that when you get all the bishops together, then the Holy spirit moves and whatever they say is dogma. Um, but I, I, I think that's a very limited use of, of the concept of the Holy Spirit. I, I think that it actually moves through every atom at all times. So, yeah. That, um, so what is spirit? What, what do you think, Joe? What's, what is spirit? Uh, okay. Is, has the clicking gone? Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Fantastic. Um, Yay! You sound great. Okay. So what is spirit? Um, oh, wait. I've got to take this other call. Okay. No, just kidding. I've got. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know how to answer that. I. I, I, I think. It's, oh yeah. She, it feels we, so... she was talking about spiritual illumination in uh, as connected to Jupiter. Jupiter, not just as expansion, prosperity. expansion is an Spir- illumination. Yeah, but is that isn't that isn't that mental expansion and illumination, and isn't that emotional expansion and illumination? So when I look at the five pointed star, it's hard for me to put. I remember that the cult leader used to stand up there and say that the or, the order itself, the temple, was the spirit pentagram, and your home life that's, and that's mundane. Gross. I know, right? I'm barfing now. I know, um, and I always argued that no, this is a this is a warehouse space upon which we all pay one hundred and fifty dollars a month. This is in the Earth quadrant, you know, like what we study is in the Air quadrant. Our relationships with each other are over here in the you know Water quadrant sometimes. And but where's what's spirit? What is spirit? I've never I've never had it. I think I think it's the it's the definitionless. It's the it's the silence, like the you know, that we, we, we don't notice because it's so all pervasive. You know, it's funny. Like the only way I can describe it is just, um, a feeling, which is really weird. Um, but I remember when, um, I was with, uh, a different order and they, they did the, uh, the, the portal call. And mm-hmm. I felt that same kind of like expansive tingly feeling that's, that's then I, I can say, Oh yeah, okay. Spirit's present now, like yeah. it's here. But to say what it is, wow, I have no idea. Well, I guess DMT is the closest definition that I have in that context. Because I mean, just based on what I've read about how you know they speculate that that's what was happening when Saint Paul saw a bright light and fell off his horse, and that that's what people see when they experience the blue tunnel of death or any of these religious experiences, the Kundalini rising. It's all the endogenous, the the uh, the, the DMT and, uh, that's that's produced in in your own brain being released and and all this stuff. And and I mean, so for a while I was that's I guess that's my definition, but I I don't think that's a very good definition either. I think that's just. Um, that's that's the physicality of the experience of of a, of a spiritual awakening. I mean, we have so much going on in the brain. We don't we we don't get it. I mean, that's the that's the brain is probably the most interesting thing in the universe, if, for, as far as I can tell. Much more interesting than the stars. I think the stars are are just easier to wrap our minds around. Hmm. 
love but yeah <laughs> yeah no but uh, so spiritual illumination i i i'm for it um <laughs> <laughs> All right, what about I, this? What about mercy? Where does mercy oh, play? Mercy. Yes, yes, mercy. Um, what, do you have any thoughts, Joe? So, what's the question? Is is mercy like? Can you In access mercy through Jupiter? Well, I just see here on the Tree of Life that mercy is associated with Jupiter. So, I'm just right. curious about what you know, what that, what that, uh, what that consideration is in respect to our conversation. Well, so like I think the word gadula, which is another word for for hesed, uh, means kind of like it's. I think it's translated as mercy, but it's okay. it's also like loving kindness. It's like kindness, compassion. Um, so they're they're different sort of like, you know, when you start talking about like old Hebrew, like what it all really means, um, and like the connotations of it, um, you know, it's not always so cut and dry. But I think it's it's sort of it's kind of what I was maybe referring to with um, my friend's experience of, of has said where it's this whole, like just really expansive love for, you know, unconditional love for everything around you. And if you have that, like, then you're not going to, you know, someone like just maliciously stomps on your foot. You probably won't care when you're in that state. Like when you're in that space, you're just oh, sort of like, yeah. Oh, that person just stomped on my foot. That's okay. And, is that always the right responsible? No, but if you're in that space, like that's kind of how you're going to respond. That actually reminds me of uh, a study that I, I, I don't, I couldn't point right to it, but I seem to recall reading, and I don't know how reliable this data is. But anyway, so take it with a grain of salt. But I had read that um, that when oxytocin is present in the body it one of the effects is it inhibits the uh, uh, amygdala arrest response so in other words oh and that that one of the negative effects of that is that if you really really love him you don't care that he hits you basically that um the fear and terror gets overridden overrided you can't even really remember it it gets the, the memory gets stifled by well, the, the, the oxytocin flood because you can't access those ter terrifying memories in the amygdala and feel that kind of love you feel when you're petting your cat at the same time. I don't, you know, maybe you can, but I mean, that was, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it gets into one of the dangers of, of that whole space, which is why, you know, that middle path is, is a lot, you know, it, it's, more helpful, particularly in like a Western mystical context, because there are times when someone's being a total douchebag or they're, yeah. you know, they're hurting you or they're hurting people around you. And you need to say, you know what, this needs to stop. And that like, once you say that you're out of his set, yeah. you're out of that space, which isn't, that's not a bad thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, otherwise it's like, Oh, it's all love. Like what that person's doing, like him hitting that person. That's love. It's just love expressed in a different way. Right. And that, that's the language of his said. Though Cyrus stands with a crook and a scourge. In, the, in that context, he's ruling by, you know, he, he'll, he'll use the crook to move his sheep around and he'll use the scourge to whip them if they get too far out of line. It's kind of a primitive way of putting it. I like the uh, – I, I, posed and have had my wife pose with the uh, lotus wand of the sword as like the golden dawn equivalent of that crossed over the chest like the 
the lo- you can do bad things with a lotus wand, but in in uh, in this context, you know, emphasizing that that it's the the lotus of Isis, you know, at the top, expressing in this rainbow, you know, uh, all the way down into manifestation with the left hand, and then a sword with the right hand. So don't fuck with me. And then you know, I like to think about: Am I do I have the sword on the outside? Is it that I'm in a, a a place of defense, ready to spring forward with the sword to protect? You know, and I'm and I'm using the uh, my left hand and these subtle forces of the universe and the rainbow on myself, or is it reversed? Am I do I have the sword to myself for self discipline? Am I saying, "Damn it, you're doing yoga. You you woke up. It's time to do yoga." And you know, manifesting things on the outside with the left hand. So I mean, there's all kinds of little considerations and OCD you can get into, and when you go down the rabbit hole of Golden Dawn you know, practice. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing, um, you know, getting back to some of the, the Jupiter work uh, yeah. stuff, and I know we're kind of like going over the place and I apologize, but like stuff's coming up that I'm like, oh, yeah, I should probably bring that up. I think like I think doing like really, really seriously strong, like personal banishings to like really clear yourself, maybe do yoga, maybe like whatever, like gets mm-hmm. you in a really clear state and then start to bring in the things that you want to, uh, you know, invoke uh, like maybe you're doing Jupiter work for financial prosperity, or maybe it's, it's spiritual prosperity or whatever the the thing is that you're going to bring in, like really have that clear and then bring the Jupiter stuff in. So it's like a clear, like, you know, you're going from nothing to the focus of the work to then like bringing it all in and bring it all down and and, and into manifestation Um, and then closing the door afterwards. So like none of your, like any negative thoughts that, that come up, are like wiped out like they they don't exist so are you imagining are, is this like is this a meditative state where you're imagining what it is that you would like to correspond already happening yeah i mean you could do it a couple different ways i mean you could do you could do it just as meditation i think i think you could make your declarations you know if you're thinking about it from a like a ritual context you could actually just declare very clearly like what it is you're bringing in like you're just vocalizing it which you know really does help that i think um but i think you could totally just or even it's a feeling you know just like feeling um you know like financial prosperity whatever that feels like to you if that's how you um you know if that that's how these things work for you uh you know it could be just visualization it's just whatever kind of works for you like really having that focus, um, I think is, is really important. My mom has all these, uh, goal sheets from the late eighties and, and, um, you know, going to meetings and uh, those, uh, inspirational speakers and talking about how to visualize things. And so there's always a, a picture of herself in a bathing suit looking really thin and or, you know, a model that's wearing a bathing suit, you know, looking good in the bathing suit and then a, a yacht. So she'd find a picture of a yacht and cut it out. <laughs> so those are her goals. All right. I made my I made a vision board for the first time. Nice. Just, I think last month. Um, but I I, uh, I created it and I, I have it just all over the wall in my office, just up and down the wall. I mean, it's not huge, but uh, but then I, I kind of stood back and I looked at it and it's all it's there's like three different bathtubs. Then there's like, there's a water with a yacht. I mean, it's very watery. Nice. <laughs> there's a lot going on <laughs> with the water. I thought it was kind of, it was kind of amusing because I do, I am a little bit of a water baby. Chesed is very watery. El is also the, uh, the divine name used for water in a lot of contexts when you're 
working with elements. So there's uh, some crossover there. I am. I'm a Cancer with a Pisces rising. Hmm. That makes me think of the Moon card, the uh, mm -hmm. the trine between Cancer and uh, Pisces. What was it? The uh, Cancer is well into or increased when the moon is in – I forget what it is. There's a line from the Philosophist Initiation I'm forgetting. I'm a little rusty. Oh, but that, that brings me to some other questions. So mm -hmm. we, you, you told me that I could throw out all the planetary positions because it doesn't really matter. But I oh, read right. – with, read... the, with the BRH. Oh, okay. So that, the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram uh, and then the banishing ritual of the hexagram follows it. So once you're once you do the banishing ritual of the hexagram, basically what what you're drawing in the four directions is a representation of the seven planets together in one symbol. That symbol being the hexagram uh, in different permutations. So you've so each of the six points are the six extreme planets, the ones that correspond on the tree of life with uh, Bina. You know, since there's no dot. Um, so that's Saturn and then Jupiter over in the place of Hesed, Mars in the place of Gibura, and then down below Venus, Mercury and the moon. Um, but the whole thing is brought together into a solar symbol. And then, so you're drawing that solar symbol in all four directions. And while you're doing that, you're vibrating Ararita, which is a Hebrew notoricon for one is his individuality. One is his identity. His permutation is one, something like that. And so, you know, everything is one. The planets are all one. I'm proclaiming it in this solar symbol around me, which I can do because I just did a lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. Um, therefore, yeah, Mercury retrograde, whatever. Although, you know, it, although it affects you know, that it's on the news feed. Other than that, it doesn't affect you. Now, are 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 we talking about the I uh, the the invoking hexagram stuff yet, or are we not, not yet? This oh, is okay. all pre pre rec. Yeah, and you know, I think that that the the point is really right on about the the LBRP. I think people really kind of discount it because it's so widely used, and it's like one of the first things you learn in the Golden Dawn. But I think yeah, that, so people skip it. Yeah, yeah, but but like that whole visualization of where you know, from the perspective of standing on top of the universe and being the entire universe, um, that puts you in that position of power. Like that, you know. So it's it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like what I was relating to before about my mom having told me, oh, you the, the monsters can't stay in your room. So having been told, oh, the BRH makes mercury retrograde go away that, uh, you know, sometimes people go, oh, well, you know, no, it doesn't. And it's like, well, that that sucks for you to live in a world where you have to deal with that, you know, where, where you really think that you don't have control over your own mind. Um yeah, I mean, you know, and it gets back to the the whole theory that um, that you as a person are an entire, you're an entire universe. Yeah, and you can get it organized. <laughs> you, you know, you can get it all make make the trains run on time in your own brain, if you know what I mean. Il fini giustifica i mezzi. You know what I mean? There you go. I was thinking just the same thing. <laughs> that, that just made me hungry. I don't know why. <laughs> Valley, ooh, <laughs> and cheese. <laughs> oh, that's fun. All right. So I also I also read that it's complimentary to do this while the moon is in Sagittarius. That's true. Um, Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter. The color is blue. Uh, where Chesed is blue. 
um, purple technically in that context, in, in the same context in which Sagittarius is blue. Purple is the color of Jupiter. Um, but it's the day house of Jupiter. So Jupiter is certainly in its strength. The moon uh, being in Sagittarius, you know, in a, in a place that... So your subconscious mind is resonating with day house Jupiter, basically, automatically. So it makes it really easy to invoke Jupiter. Where if it was in Mars, you know, or if it was in something more Martian, like Aries, then you'd... You know, that just means it takes a minute. Like... Um, it, in the in the golden dawn in cert, so, some certain teachers of mine would say that we don't vibrate these divine names you know a hundred times at the top of our lungs because god isn't there and then he is there after we've invoked him it's that we're not connected and so we blow you know through these vibrations we we blow open the fuses of our own consciousness so that we can experience l by you know by vibrating l however many times um, so similarly, whatever you were just saying, what, what, shoot, I lost track. Oh, um, well, here's another question. I was asking about the moon in Sagittarius, but, um, oh yeah. Um, so yeah, it helps, but it's not necessary from the point of view of a magician who can get from one state of mind to another. And by the way, this is where there's an interesting connection with Scientology and with, um, with acting, um, just to, not in so not, not talking about like. <laughs> <laughs> Not talking about all the corruption and bad things within Scientology, just the training. And um, someone who's an actor who maybe got good training or is a natural actor is already a magician and can do all these things already, and they know it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So if 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 the moon's in Sagittarius, you know, or if the moon's in Aries, imagine a world. Imagine being in a world in which the moon was in Sagittarius, and so it is, and then you can do your ritual, basically. And then what do you think about um, – I was of the impression that Jupiter is associated with both Cancer and Pisces. Uh, but maybe I – think, I think that some people believe that that's outdated and that Jupiter is associated with Sagittarius. I had never heard that it was associated with Cancer. I had uh, thought of the, uh, of the moon as being uh, the planet yeah. – well, obviously, it's not a planet, but an ancient planet associated with uh, – cancer but pisces is the night house of jupiter mm. have you heard anything about the moon or about jupiter and, and cancer joe no yeah i'm kind of like i, I revert back back to my old training oh god it's all back the thing the thing about cancer to me is that i always think of the you know the the, the person that's a cancer because uh, i've got a cancer rising uh and you know i'm I know a lot of cancers and stuff. And so that they're, you know, it's like that crab where they, you know, they want to be loved and they want to be like, you know, they're very squishy inside, but they've got the hard crusty exterior um, sometimes. And, you know, they can get their claws out if they feel threatened. Um, and that feels like the moon to me. Cause you've got that like dual nature. Yeah. I mean, you have a dual nature in Jupiter, but like, I kind of, it feel if it just feels more lunar to me than, um, than Jupiter, but you know, if you if if once you like really know Jupiter and you get to Jupiter by like you know the whole like Cancer thing, then you know by all means, like whatever gets you there. Yeah, fortunately, we're working with the speed of thought, which is a lot quicker than lighter gravity, so we don't have to slingshot our way across the solar system or time it just right in order to invoke Jupiter. Mm. Great. 
I mean, it's it helps. It makes it easier. It's like um, it's easier to go running when the weather's just right. You know what I mean? Although it was really funny. Like I would go, I would sit there when they would. So our, the one thing our order did really well um, was that they made really good incense. And so I would sit there and just like play by like opening all the, the incense jars and like smelling one. Like I'd be in that like Jupiter and then I like smell Mars and then I go to like Mercury Ooh. and then people would like look at my aura and be like, what, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. So what about uh, what not to do? Any, any cautionary tales, concerns? Don't vibrate a shackleot. That's the breakers and pieces, the clipoth, which uh, or the clipoth literally means shells. I can't believe you had said that. <laughs> you're, well, that's, you're insane. That's practicus advice. They, they, they I love you, no. but you're insane. <laughs> in the, we went over all of them in the previous episode. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, no, that just um, – it means breakers and pieces, which is an interesting – it's interesting to know about because it's the evil side of Hesed, which admittedly is not exactly Jupiter, but it's very much related. Um, so it's expansive, yes, but uh, when unbalanced, when not tempered by all the other, let's say, planets – um, so Mercury, you have like the intellect, the, uh, you know, communication and, 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 and travel and, and uh, getting across town and making sure you get your oil changed and stuff like that. And Luna, you have, you know, where, what about my dreams? Am I, am I listening to my subconscious, what, my inner child, you know, my desires, you know, make sure. So, I mean, sometimes on a spiritual path, you know, a guru or someone will come along and say, you know. Or, you know, even even in Buddhism, it says, oh, well, get rid of your desire or stop desiring and, and everything. And it's like, well, what do you do with that? And if you come from a Christian background where they're trying to make you feel shameful for touching yourself or something like that, and then that com- then you add a layer of Buddhism on top of that, and it starts to seem normal. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the dog is not happy about you talking about this. It, Actually, it start, you know- starts to seem normal to repress these forces and just say, okay, I'm going to invoke Jupiter and not Mars and not Venus and not – Mercury. So that would be basically the warning, right? Would would be don't forget about the other six um, ancient planets. Yeah, you know, the, the the way I actually even think about that is that there's that expression where people say, I'm being pulled in too many directions. You know, if you think about that, that's like a Jupiter thing. That's like, oh, I've got this to do. And yeah, because you can't do. say no, because you said right. yes to everyone who asked you for help. And yeah. what happens when you pull yourself in like 20 different directions all at the same time? I mean, you may break not have the, the stability to handle all that and you break. Yeah. You know, I actually had, you know, um, uh, I'll say that a, a really, really dear friend of mine, you know, had a lot going on with, with her family and like just um, like serious health problems with, with her family and dealing with everything. And then she was trying to work a full-time job and then her husband wasn't really that supportive of you know doing the things around the house and she literally got a a, she had a perforated bladder which i think is really interesting um i mean it's very sad of course but it's all like wow you know you literally were stretched out and like you know your your being like has a hole in it now um and i thought that that was a really interesting you know metaphor for uh you know and and something that happened really um, to, to someone who really was pulled in too many directions. 
That's unfortunate. She's getting better. Oh, that's good. Uh, I'm looking at a uh, an image that I saved for myself. Um, this is this is in a new direction we're talking about here, <laughs> but uh, it's the Tree of Life, and then uh, at the top it says Omnigalactic Source, <laughs> and where where Jupiter would be, it says Arcturus. Oh, that's the star that you always see to the left when you're looking east. It's, it's one of those little stars, right? There's Vega and Arcturus. Am I wrong? It's a star, right? I don't know. It has. It says, well, there's Pallades to the left of it, and then it says Arcturus, and then it goes down, and it says etheric father-son, Omega. Huh. Yeah, I'm not up on all this. Uh... Yeah, it's it's... It's interesting. It's probably pretty galactic. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm like sort of distantly interested in all that. I, I, um, you know, I'm curious to see where it'll go. Um, but yeah, what, what do you have any thoughts? Do you mean, um, like, cause I'm not familiar with the, the context of that. Is it when, when you say you're wondering where it'll go, uh, can you talk talk a little bit about? <laughs> oh, just the uh, just the whole galactic thing. I'm not. Oh, I'm hearing. Oh, you mean like aliens? No, no, like the the people that say I'm channeling. I I'm from the Sirius system. I'm from the Pleiades system. You know, you you find out your star, and then you can channel your star, and oh, and uh, and so these people are channeling stars and stuff like that. And so she was talking about a tree of life diagram where they have um, Arcturus corresponding to Chesed. And the Pleiades next to it, and the galactic Omni something rather in the Supernals. And I was just saying that it, I'm, I'm sort of distantly interested in all that, but I, I'm definitely I don't really know much about. I, I don't have much to add. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, there's just yeah. so much out there that, like, I think you know, whatever you're you're kind of like focusing on, or you know, if, if you really, you know, if that really works for you, I say go for it. All right. Well, here's another question. Mm -hmm. um, you guys are both pretty tuned in. What uh, do you have any? <laughs> do you have any impressions about why I might have received this vision, or how which, it corresponds to this Jupiter vision, and how, how why I would be drawn to Jupiter? Wow, geez. I mean, Jupiter saved us from annihilation multiple times. Uh, I mean, as far as the planet goes, it's it's such a, a an intense being. Um, it was almost a star. I think that when a, when a planet like Jupiter doesn't become a star, we get to see its persona. We get to see its personality expressed, um, as a gas giant. I mean, I, I, I'm for it. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't see why well, I wouldn't have the vision. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you had said that, like, I think in the beginning of the call, you had mentioned that you were kind of really doing a lot with the hanged man. And if you were kind of in that place oh, where it's all the way on the other side of the tree of life and it's oh. the hanged man is a tough path. It's like, you know, there were, there was actually it's a real image of the wheel of fortune. fortune too. Right. Exactly. So, you know, if you're in that like severe place where you're not, you, you know, it's very mental because you've got hood, but it's also very severe with Gabura. It's kind of like the universe may be saying to you, look, you did your work here. Time for fun. Oh, time for a break. Nice. nice. That's interesting. 
I mean, I don't know your situation. I'm kind of guessing. So you have to see if that resonates with you. Uh, yeah, well, I had uh, Christopher Wateki, who I mentioned to you, my psychic astrologer. I had a conversation with him two years ago. And he said that my guide said that it was time for fun. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's interesting. But I've been, well, my situation, I've been in this strange kind of stasis where just nothing's been moving forward. And so in terms of, um, various elements of my life. So I was under the impression that maybe it was, it was guiding me towards some forward momentum or movement. And now that Jupiter is going direct, I thought that might be the, you know, the kind of starting point. Yeah. So yeah, it's a great place to start too, you know, with, with all the, the things kind of working in your favor. Huh. Wow. Thank you. I remember, uh, just one final thought. I remember my, uh, the advice that my mom used to give to other sorers, other women, um, was if you want to, um, improve your sex life, don't invoke Venus, invoke Jupiter. That that Venus is very shallow and Jupiter is very deep, and that the thing that's missing from sexuality in this culture is the depth, not the shallowness. There's plenty of that. Yeah. that that's interesting because I I've, I've received the Empress card a few times, mm -hmm. and um, I mean when I when I read about Emper uh, the Empress, it was it was about fertility and abundance and uh, just. Um, and then I read some other things that indicated that maybe um, she's lazy and that she's not doing anything, <laughs> and that she's shallow, a little bit surface. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, dep it always depends on a reading on how like how things are are dignified, like all the other cards around it, or meaning like how readers always talk about how it's dignified. So, um, you know, if you've got if you've got her with. Um, you know, a lot of major arcana or like it's really spiritual and she's kind of like in places of, of, of strength within the reading, depending on what, what kind of reading you're doing, then, you know, there's a real power there. Um, I mean, she, you know, but on the other hand, yeah. Um, if it's on that, that lower side of, of, um, of Venus, then it's, it's, you know, it can be that shallowness. Yeah. How are you doing on time? Can I ask another question? <laughs> yeah, go for it. I'm, I'm all right with time. Uh, all right. So uh, I have been working on uh, learning more about Reiki and some and healing energies and hearing methodolo healing methodologies. And I'm, sorry. And I'm curious that dog about, eats Reiki. They're <laughs> really excited about the Reiki. Uh, give, me Reiki give me Reiki. Give me Reiki. Give me Reiki. Give me Reiki. Uh, I'm curious about if there's any kind of uh, is there an association with Jupiter and healing or or healing abilities or maybe there's some sort of expansion in terms of helping humanity. Actually, I read I heard that there was this really good book and I think we should probably I'll have to find it and post um, the title and uh, it was used by uh, some friends of mine but it was called like. Um, it was really about healing with astrology. So yeah, I think that, that there are things and that, you know, each of the, uh, the, the planets have correspondences to parts of the body. So, um, you know, there are some, sometimes like you can make tinctures, um, basically essential oils with, you know, with, with elements of, of the planet and you can either drink them yourself or you can give them to other people, um, who have, uh, 
the physical ailments that correspond with, um, with, with that, you know, with that planet. Okay. Well, the, the, the lemon balm tincture is kind of a, um, you know, cure-all. So I guess that's why it makes sense. It would be your first lesson. In yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, definitely, you know, I mean, like the, the old, you know, Master Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and the rest will be given unto you. So what I'd mm-hmm. say is seek out chesed mm-hmm. and, and get to know the nature of El. And the more that you know that, the more Jupiter will just appear on its own. So that said, um, yeah, that's definitely, you know, like I, I kept uh, the uh, the highest place you can get to while you're a human being is chesed. So that that state of of pure mercy bliss um, is the place of healing. But you know the 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 wisdom built into the system is that we stand in the place of Tiferet at the center of the tree, so we can access um, that mercy. Uh, but yeah, I definitely, it's the essence of that healing. And like you said, with, with helping others, I mean, I, I think of Mother Teresa, she was wearing blue. I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, blue is the, the color of the goddess and the mercy goddess and all of these things. And mercy, um, you know, apart from the tree of life as well as, as within it. And uh, bringing abundance. I mean, all the prosperity work mm. that we've done for... I mean, they, the, in in the order we came from, there was a, a very kind of Christian element. So you know, ra- rather than just going straight to prosperity, we'd quite often say, "Okay, let's do this elaborate ritual to bring prosperity and economic stability to Africa, you know, or 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 India, you know, or, or something like that." And then and then at the end, and eh, if you see fit to send a little my way too, eh, it'd be nice, you know. And that 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 was our version of a prosperity ritual. So um, yeah, definitely. I mean, if there's any, I, I think I think that people would probably rightly criticize that approach, but that was our approach. Um, well, I mean, I think that 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 all the stuff that that we're, we're talking about, I mean, you can do, you know, your intent behind it could be um, very selfish, which you know sometimes you you know you you have to have stuff for yourself, uh, or you can do that for for other people. Um, so. You know, yeah, it's 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 all good, and I think, you know, it, it there's kind of, I I do think that it makes your life better when you help other people, but you know, not everyone feels that way, and that's totally fine. Whatever your uh, your your path is. I would like to ask you about the tree of life. I feel that uh, that there's definitely I definitely need to embark on some instruction there. Where would you start if you were me? <laughs> the uh, New Golden Dawn Ritual Tarot uh, is a, well, it's a tarot deck um, and a book, the Golden Dawn Ritual Tarot. It might seem like an odd place to start, but um, I'd skip over the intro where, you know, they're talking about how if it's not Cicero, then it's not whatever. Um, I mean, depending on which, which publication you get, but basically, as far as I know, when, when people talk about book tea, now there's this whole mythology that father Christian Rosencruz once buried himself in, in a tomb for a hundred years. And then they found him and he was perfectly preserved and he was holding in his hand, a scroll. And that scroll was book tea. And it had the true and accurate tarot that, um, no one's ever seen except for people who have, you know, gone through golden Dawn stuff. Now we know it as the, uh, 
Cicero deck or the Wang deck. Um, and so as far as a published version of Book T, the only thing that I could point to is the uh, is that book, the um, the book that goes with the Cicero deck. But so if you're just learning about the um, I think that, that there's some really basic uh, but really good books that get you through the, the, the tree of life. Um, the one that I kind of, you know, learned on first, I don't even think it's in print anymore, but it's called paths of wisdom. Um, hmm. And that kind of like walks through, you know, it, it walks through the Sephirot first, which is a really good place to start. And then it kind of like goes through each of the, the paths, um, which any sort of book on any good book on the, on the true will, will also do because the, the, the tarot cards are a really great way to, you know, really get into the, the, the paths themselves and what they mean. Um, and your experience of them so that you can access those energies really, really quickly if you need to. Um, I can't think like, I'm trying to think of it. Like there's one that, um, I mean, what, what was on like the basic like reader list for like the neophyte 110 for like the good basic book about like the tree of life? Well, there was the tree of life, uh, by Rigardi. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. There's an older one and a newer one. The older one is smaller. The newer one has a lot of intro by, um, chicken Sandra Tabitha Cicero. Uh, well, the other thing I would recommend, um, there's, there's builders of the Adidum. Um, they have a free thing on Sunday mornings. They're over here by me. They're like a mile from where I'm sitting right now. So if you were ever interested or, or in the area, uh, the Highland Park area on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m., we could go check that out. And they do – it's like reminiscent of a Protestant service, but it's all about the tree of life. And they've got this big tree of life there. They'll give a sermon about one of the tarot cards and how it connects the tree of life. Um, oh, which reminds me, um, the Book of Tokens is um, kind of one of their, I guess, holy books. It's a, a bunch of poetry written by their founder who was an adept in the original Golden Dawn. Um, he basically worked the Golden Dawn system, got through it, and he was also doing yoga. And then he put together Builders of the Adidam as his own kind of nuanced, digested uh, expression of the Golden Dawn uh, symbolism. But it's very beautiful poetry, and you can kind of get into it. Um, yeah, those are some some good places to start, I think. Thank you. Yeah. It's really helpful. All right. Um, I'm just going to take advantage of my time here with you. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, so this is kind of funny. I didn't, I didn't think about um, – Using the tarot as being uh, as being a psychic experience, um, and then I started learning about energy vortices, and I've gone to a few, and uh, they have kind of different energies, and it led me to uh, I kind of uh, asked my cards about what I might have garnered from the experience of visiting a, a vortex, mm-hmm. and I got the page of cups. And so I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I, so I did some reading and I read that you can gain psychic experience or psychic abilities from visiting, visiting a vortex. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm kind of curious about what your thoughts are on the influence of these energies, uh, just here on our own planet. Do you have any opinions on that or how it affects you or what you My- might gain from it? My dad got a, a four by four 
and was on a mission to find all the, you know, the known and unknown sacred vortexes and power spots in the Angeles Crest Mountains and and, uh, using all the dirt roads and stuff like that. So I'm pretty familiar with a lot of probably the places you're talking about. Um, Beul, B-E-Y-U-L, is a Tibetan word for it. Um, And they have a very developed and nuanced um, system explaining that. Or I I, I think that, in other words, um, there isn't really a whole lot in Golden Dawn that goes into that phenomenon. Uh, but you can practice Golden Dawn magic in a power spot. And depending on the the, the entities there, they might either get annoyed or get into it. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, but the um, what what he was doing was he was he was grafting the Tibetan concept of the sacred places for meditation onto, you know, these mountains and and surely there were places where Native Americans were going. You know, it, not only that, but uh, places that are naturally predisposed to have these these energy vortices and like. I mean, I uh, there was an experience I had oddly. It was after watching Jacob's Ladder in the theater in the '90s, where I realized I could wiggle my ears in a certain way, and I had never done it before, and it was a muscle I had never used before. And ever since then, I've been able to do it. Um, so similarly, if someone goes to a power spot and uh, feels nothing, then they feel nothing. Someone else might go to a power spot and uh, say, "Oh, wow, I feel something. I've never felt this before." And then, yeah, then they've developed a. a you know, a, a subtle level of perception that they didn't have before. Maybe like being able to recognize a face. Once you've met someone, shook their hand, looked their name, mm. then, then you'll be able to recognize them again when you see them in a crowd. So, uh, so like that's, that's one answer to the question that was asked in a previous episode that I didn't answer very well. Why do we get to know the Klipoth? Uh, is so you can recognize them when, they, when they're in front of you, you know. That's funny because I, uh, I went to Sedona and there's three or so there and and when I arrived at, uh, in the region of Bell Rock, I felt it very strongly. And I mentioned this to my friend, and he said, "Well, that's interesting because there it's a subtle it's a subtle energy. So if you're feeling it, you must be sensitive to it." And I think that I have become sensitive to it. Yeah, or maybe even tuned into that particular energy. Well, I've, I've now been to I'm doing a little tour. I went to Sedona two weeks ago. And then I went to Mexico. I went to Puerto Vallarta and San Pancho. Mm-hmm. And then um, on the way to Sunnyvale, I stopped in Pismo Beach because there's supposed to be another vortex there. Um, I didn't really feel anything there. But in the other locations, I definitely did. Um, so that's interesting. All right, here's something else for you. Mm-hmm. I've been receiving cards associated with white buffalo calf women. You, re- you mentioned Native American uh, visits to the vortices. And so I'm, I'm bringing this up because it reminds yeah. me. Do you have any experience with a white buffalo calf woman? No, but I, I know that there's people in my on, in, in my family on my wife's side that do that I've been trying to get to come on to the podcast. I, I wrote Native American on the description at one point, uh, but I haven't actually we haven't actually gotten into anything Native American yet. I, I don't think so. I mean, I think this episode is actually we've talked more Native American than, than in all the previous episodes combined. Um, I wish I did. But uh, alas, I don't. Well, I will. I will be eagerly anticipating that podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's um, you know, there's the Sweat Lodge. There's there's something based right. in Arizona. Uh, oh, what's her name? Mentioned it. Ah, uh, shoot. Um, Sarah Eden. You know, there was an episode where, with the priestess from San Francisco. She was talking about having a background in. There's a group in Arizona, the Turtle. Something about the Turtle. 
well. well, I've read that uh, I've read that that um, people subscribe a lot. Of, basically, they subscribe Goddess Isis to all the matriarchs. So even mm. Virgin Mary would be essentially another iteration of sure. Goddess Isis. Maybe even so, entirely based on her. Yes. Yeah. So white buffalo calf woman would be the same. Um, uh, oh, was, right. Right. Yeah. But I was kind of curious what your thoughts were on that, just because of the, just some of the indications I've received. Um, but I think they're, I think it they're... reminds me of Egypt. Uh, they had the sacred bull and the sacred cow there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, mm. I, I feel, I, I feel like I, I'm so ignorant about that that I don't want to, I don't want to say too much. You know? What about you, Joe? Anything? <laughs> well, okay, so I'll. I'll... I'll tell you something silly, and I'll tell you something serious, and then I'll get to your topic. Okay. We got the scratching. Joe, I wonder if you if it's like the headset, like maybe you need to like turn the little, maybe you need to turn the uh, the male plug and like adjust the fitting there. Oh, okay. Are are you good now? That's better. It's better. Okay, so I'm still bitter about my Sedona experience. Uh So I went there in the winter time when I I lived in Phoenix for a couple years, and. I went there. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go get get to the vortices. Isn't this awesome?" And so I get there, and it's I. It's like the the one time it like iced over like all the the, the trails, so they actually closed them down. I couldn't even like hike up there or anything. So my entire trip, I the only thing I could do was go to the the. So she, I don't know if you know, like some some of the listeners you know if they're old enough, but there was this this horrible uh, comedy like this weird troupe called Shields and Yarnell, and they were kind of like these weird acrobats. And, like, they eventually kind of, like, broke up from each other. And, like, I think Shields, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think that with Shields um, has, like, a, 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 like a, like a jewelry shop, but it's, like, um, beads. It's a, it's a bead shop. So, like, I was looking at beads for, like, three days. It really sucked. Oh. I was so mad. Um, but I'm so glad you got to go. Um, the serious thing is, though, like, what I, I – I, and I, those – the times that you get to go to those vortices – What's kind of, you know, obviously I've never, you know, my time and try to experience that didn't exist, but it's kind of like those rare occasions when you taste chocolate for the first time. And what's cool about it is that like, if I were to, if you had never eaten chocolate before, it would be really hard for me to describe it to you because yes, the, I can talk about the texture that it, it will melt in your hands, but it like, you know, slightly, um, that it's you know, kind of dark, but it's really sensual. But it, like, how do you describe that taste of chocolate? And having those experiences are really cool. So when you when you have that opportunity, it's really, really nice. Um, and then on the, uh, the Isis thing, yeah, I'm, I'm really there with you. And it's interesting, like every mystical tradition seems to have that version of it. Um, so uh, Tara is, uh, is kind of the, the, um, you know, the, the Tibetan Buddhist version of, of ISIS, if you will. And like, when you start to look at the, the, the Tonkas or the sort of the sacred drawings of, <clears throat> of things, you know, that's where you can really start to see the, those aspects. And I think that, that that's sort of that universal principle of, of, you know, mama, you know, whether you've had, you know, we're, it's kind of cool. We're talking about this like right after mother's day, but you know, it's like, even if you have, if you have a good relationship with your mother, there's this universal, yummy, wonderful mother energy that, that, that exists in, you know, in every culture. And now shut up. Okay, well, <laughs> I, have, I have so much to say to that. 
Um, one, when I went to Pismo Beach, there were a lot of bead shops. And I thought it was strange. I'm, why are there so many bead shops here? So I guess there's some correlation between bead shops and, and vortices. I don't know. <laughs> so awesome. I love that. <laughs> um, the other thing I want to tell you is that my friend gave me, uh, this is one of the readings I was talking to you about, but that I mentioned, my friend gave me a, a reading with the Ascended Master deck. And this was the reading. It was a three card spread. And I got uh, Lug. I don't know how to pronounce it, but uh, he's associated with Odin. He's a Celtic god. And the message is persistence. I also received white buffalo calf woman, and the message there is peace offering. And then finally, white Tara purification. Hmm. So I feel like you just gave me a mouthful. That was very cool. Yeah, (laughs) really nice. Well, is there anything else you want to go into before we wrap up? Hmm. Um. No, I think I think you've answered so many of my questions, and I'm very grateful. Thank you very much. Absolutely. It was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a, a, a note. And um, if we, you know, come across anything Jupiter-related, we'll send it over your way. Thank you. Certainly. If there's anything I can do to support you all in your efforts, please let me know. Oh, just, you know, sharing the episode will do it because then people hear that. Some of them will say, oh, I wonder what else, you know, if this is on this podcast, maybe there's other stuff that's interesting to me. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Cool. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the Esoteric Nerd podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's nice to meet you, Courtney. You as well, Joe. I sent you a Facebook request. Please, please respond. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have a great day, guys. Okay, you too. And we'll talk soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, have a great day, and I'll talk to you later. All right, you too. See ya. I'm glad glad we worked out the, the clicking. It's it's the, the, the stupid headset. So yeah, it's, I it's it clicking out. again. It's clicking now. Oh no! Is is it now? Yeah. Shit. Um, okay. I'll, I'll, I think I've got. If I get a better headset, I think it'll be good. I think that'll solve the problem. Okay. So okay. we can look forward to that uh, next time. And, okay. Uh, until then. Yep. Have, See ya. Have a good. Okay. Thank you, Courtney for being our guest on the Esoteric Nerd tonight. Thank you, Joe, for being my co-host. Thank you to David Bowie for providing the sound bite for the new segment From Station to Station. The clip is from the song Station to Station, which you can find on his album Station to Station. Thank you to Henry Wolfe and Nancy Jennings for the album Tibetan Bells, which you also heard during that segment, as well as to Cat Anderson and Duke Ellington's Orchestra, The Doors for Light My Fire, Dead Can Dance for Chant of the Paladin, approaching the Shin path, Pink Floyd Echoes, rising up out of the box, you might remember. That was Libera singing Luminosa when you were face-to-face with the Archangel. 
a bit of Nine Inch Nails album Fixed for the left bangle angle, basal angle, and Carmina Barana for the right. Special thanks, as always, to Susumu Ueda, as well as his father and the other monks, singing in the background right now, as well as in the intro, to Camille and Kennerly for the electric harp Game of Thrones transitions in and out of the interviews. And most importantly, thank you to you, the Esoterra Nerd listening to this podcast. In the divine name of El, through in and with his mighty archangel, Zodkiel. May you live long and prosper. Good night.